live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Jonathan Kogan Show. I'm your host, Johnny K. Happy Friday, y'all. Hope everyone's doing super well. Please subscribe to the Jonathan Kogan Show wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, although this episode might not be on there because we talk too much truth on this this particular episode. So as and definitely subscribe to the Rumble channel. Start watching Rumble. Rumble's the place to be. There is no censorship. Censorship is bad for the people. And so we do not like it and we speak out against it. Okay, now let's get into it. Now, I want it. Well, there's a lot, lot we're talking about. Yes, um, Trump was indicted again. The timing's unbelievable. Uh, you know, yes, of course that's happening. Patrick Bat Davis on Joe Rogan. That's where we're about to share too much truth that probably YouTube would censor. Um, can't talk about some of the stuff. You're just not, you're not brave enough. Then we got some clips from the All In podcast to show you, um, uh, basically what is Trump derangement syndrome versus apolitical unbiased truth where you don't have a partisan agenda. You just talk about facts and you'll see Jason and David Sachs go through that. You'll see Friedberg say some really good stuff. These are clips that just came out. They're really, really good. So we've got a lot of clips to play, but we're starting with a really important one. All right. And it's a really, so this is from an old movie or something. Uh, and it's a man, it's called a man. It's a clip that's called a man for all seasons, the devil's speech. Okay. And the point of this clip that I'm going to play, please listen closely. This is related to them going after Trump. Okay. And what they're doing, how they're bending the law, how they're trying to concoct this crazy legal theory to, to go after him. Okay. And I say this as not a Trump supporter. I am not a Trump supporter. I am not a Republican. I am not a Democrat. I'm not even an independent. Okay. I'm a political. So I say this as a truth teller. And you see that there is clearly a bias going after Trump if you have eyes and a brain and are apolitical. It's obvious. Now, this speech you're about to hear from this old movie is why the rule of law is so important. I think this is such a profound thing. You really got to listen to this or watch it. And you really got to think about why it's important we held all people to the same standards. Okay? This clip is profound. It's amazing. It's a great way to start the show. I really hope you listen to it and take it to heart. A man for all seasons, the devil's speech. All right, here we go. 52 seconds. Arrest him. For what? He's dangerous. For libel. He's a spy. Father, that man's bad. There's no law against that. There is God's law. Then God can arrest him. While you talk, he's gone. And go he should if he were the devil himself until he broke the law. So, now you give the devil benefit of the law. Yes, what would you do? Cut a great road through the law to get after the devil? Yes. I'd cut down every law in England to do that. Oh? And when the last law was down and the devil turned round on you, where would you hide, Roper? The law's all being flat. This country is planted thick with laws from coast to coast, man's laws, not God's. And if you cut them down and you're just a man to do it, do you really think you could stand upright in the winds that would blow then? Yes, I give the devil benefit of law for my own safety's sake. That is incredible. You give everybody the benefit of the law because if you go too far one way, the wind might blow back five times as hard the other way against you when you had the upper hand well what about when you don't have the upper hand and everyone's coming after you 20 times harder this is why everybody 
gets treated under the same law, the same way. You don't get arrested for being orange. You don't get arrested for being a bad person in our eyes. You don't get, you don't, you, you know, you don't get propagandized into being a criminal. There is a law and there's statutes for how you get into trouble. And yes, everybody, even the devil is owed its place in court. Innocent until proven guilty in America because we're doing it for our own safety. Because if we go down this road with what we are doing with Trump, where do you think this ends? Because it don't end with Trump. I promise you that. This becomes an out of hand banana republic and we absolutely could very well lose this country. And that's the goal of some people. And you know that if you listen to this podcast. So we need to do it to protect ourselves to treat everybody equally and properly. And justly under the law. Profound clip. Absolutely profound. Speaking about Banana Republic, well, Joe Rogan just had on Patrick Bad David, which I've been waiting for this podcast. And then I was like, oh, he's on. It's amazing. Um, got a couple clips here. You can you can follow my Twitter if you want these clips in real time. I post some really good stuff. I'm one of the best uh tweeters or Xers. It, the username is at K-O-G-Z Cogs, if you want to follow. It's up to you. So this is Joe Rogan and Patrick by David yesterday and talking about being a banana Republic. And I think Joe nails it on this one. This is a, this is totally relevant to what I just played. And Joe's just says it in different words, 55 seconds. Listen to this. The man's right. The man's right. And so we cover it. Here we go. As long as Trump doesn't get arrested was is, you know, he's been indicted again and you know, who knows where that goes, but if Trump's not in jail, he can't beat him. Yeah. And the people that, that love Trump, they feel like this is a witch hunt. And they feel like all the things he's getting indicted for are bullshit anyway. It does, not only does it not work, but it kind of hardens their position mm-hmm. that he's being targeted. And that this is – these are like the, the actions of a banana republic. You take your political rival and you arrest him. And specifically, you charge him with things that you're fucking guilty of. Like the 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 documents, like the classified documents, Biden's guilty of the exact same issue. You you gotta respect the a level of deceptiveness that's been used. I mean, you, look at what Hillary did, going and saying, "Hey, it's Russia," but it was really, you know, what she was doing. And now they're using a similar play as well. So how many times have we talked about that on this podcast where what's going on right now? This is not a political partisan thing. This is seeing the truth. So I believe there are two factions of society right now. There are people living in the psyoped world where left is right, up is down, and literally everything they believe is wrong. And then there's people who have broken out of the matrix and realized everything was a lie like for a very long time. Which the, the you know the biomedical pharmaceutical complex military industrial complex the corruption of all of our leaders and just the 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 degradation of America and the world and the monetary system uh, everything we see it all now half society sees all the truth and it's just like blatant you just see the propaganda in the mainstream media it's so obvious to you, you laugh at it then the other faction is totally. Still in the psyoped world you used to be in at one point, whether that was last year, whether it was three years ago, whether that was even 10 years ago. I mean, probably it was COVID might have woke you up. But whenever the day before you woke up, they are still in that state. So there are two sections of society that can't agree and are at each other's throats because they're living in two different realities. Literally two different realities. People who are seeing the truth and people who are psyoped. That's what's going on here. Those are the political parties. Psyoped and truth. Seekers, not seekers, seers. They see it. Those are the two political parties. Okay. All right. That's what's going on right now. 
That's that is that is an unbiased. I have no agenda here. I do not care. I don't believe in any political party. I just care about truth. And that's why people like Vivek, I think, is making you know is making the rounds and becoming pretty popular. He's speaking a lot of truth. He says a lot of good stuff. There's no question about it. And my God, I, this is a little off topic, but he is because I'm listening. Uh, PBD podcast just had him on for a town hall. That man is really articulate. You got to give it to him. He's very very articulate. There's very few people who are very good with words and how they speak and just very articulate. They're just so good at describing things so quickly and using nice words. Like Vivek is in that. I think Russell Brand is in that. Like those, there's, a, there's just few people who could twist words so perfectly and like Russell Brand and Vivek have nothing to do with one another, but they're very good with words. Very good with words. All right. So let's go to the next clip here. Um, so this one, speaking about running in the GOP with Vivek, with Trump, DeSantis is running and Patrick Bad David is very open to having anybody on his podcast. He's always down to help people and he's been trying to reach out to Ron DeSantis. And he's saying he can't get a hold of him, but everybody else's, you know, um, political team, like Trump, you'll listen to it here. They get back to him right away. Why is DeSantis avoiding this? The only thing I could think of, if you just want my take, is something very weird is happening. Where it's almost like he's staying quiet in the back because he got the memo from the regime. This is how it feels, okay? That, listen, Trump's going to be taken out when we get closer to the election, and you're just going to slide right in, and you're going to win the election. Just stay quiet till then. You don't need to do much. You're going to win. We got it ready for you. Trump will be taken out, and you will win. And he's like, all right, just coast on by. That's just what it seems like. After you hear this, tell me you don't get that vibe. Here's what I'll tell you from my experience with his camp, which is kind of weird for me. So everybody you speak to from Vivek's camp, RFK's camp, Trump's camp, like this, they get back to you. They'll just get back to you. Here's what's going on. Here's where we are. Every time you try to get a hold of anybody from DeSantis's camp, good luck. And by the way, it doesn't matter if it's like, you know, we go and we meet with them in, um, in uh, uh, Tallahassee. I sit down and I meet him and his wife, Casey, rock star, Casey, something else. And DeSantis is a genius when it comes down to policies and all that stuff, but maybe not a marketer. Whether it's Christina, whether it's this other guy calls me the other day saying, hey, they're telling me you're having a hard time getting a hold of us. I said, no, no, we're not having a hard time getting a hold of anybody. You guys call, but you never call back afterwards about doing something together. So then that gets me to think now all the interviews that he's doing with people, the first question everyone's asking is, why do you think your rating so low? Why do you think you had to do this? Why do you think you had to do that? I think their marketing mistake was big, not coming out the gates early on. And they're suffering the consequences because he has to now answer the question he doesn't want to answer constantly. So I don't know. You know, th then the other conversation is, is this guy ever going to be able to be a president? Is that ever going to happen? Is he, you know, marketable enough to do that? No one knows. But I think their marketing team screwed up. Or imagine your handlers, people that are your handlers, Okay. If they come, if I go to your handler and I say, hey, here's what we like to do something with Joe. Let's just say you and I have never had any interaction together. I'd like to pitch Joe X or do this. Okay. He says, let me get back to you. If they're professionals, there's one of two things that happens. One, he comes up to you. If he doesn't get back to me, my interpretation is Joe's not interested. Right. Or they forgot to follow up. Okay, because they're so busy. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt that they forget to follow up. But if it happens three different camps, it's not the team. You don't want to do a lot of these tough long form interviews. So I don't know. This is going to be a very uh, interesting election cycle to see what will happen.
Um, I don't think a lot of people think Joe's going to be there at the end. The well, wait's also, Joe's not even there now, but he didn't say the thing that I just said. Is there maybe a deal behind closed doors where it's just like, hey, DeSantis, just be smooth sailing till the end. We're going to take Trump out. Or Biden's probably going to die. He might not even be alive. Maybe someone's wearing a mask. Who knows? But whatever. And you're just going to get on in. Don't worry about it. Something to think about. So what do we got next here? Oh, so speaking about rivals to DeSantis. And what's weird about this thing, about why I have that theory with DeSantis is now they're doing a debate. Okay, I think they're doing a debate on Hannity between Newsom and DeSantis. First of all, Newsom's not even running for president. And DeSantis is second in the polls for the nominee of the Republican Party by far. It's like, what? when did we ever have the the... the when did we ever have a random governor in a political party that's not running for president in a presidential election cycle? And then the other party, someone who's just in the middle of the polls, debate each other. Like, what? Are they trying to fix something up? It's like they're trying to shove these candidates down our throats. It's the weirdest thing. Like, when do you ever remember this happening? Like, did, uh, I don't know, in 2020, we have like Kamala Harris versus... Um, uh, like Ab uh, Abbott in Texas, like what? Like what is going on? It's just the most random thing. Does that make sense to anybody? No, because it's weird and things are just not normal right now. So Joe talks about Newsom, and this is what I mean by there's two factions of people. There are people living in the psyop world and people living in the real, the post truth, or they're living, or we're living in the post truth world, whatever the truth world. Okay, whatever we're in, all right, where we see everything and all the corruption and the propaganda, which is insane. And if you're in the psyoped world, you think Newsom's like the best thing ever. He's incredible because up is down, left is right, red is blue, the sky is the ocean, everything's opposite day. Okay, nothing works. Starving is being full, being a slave is being free, um, you know, censorship is freedom of speech. Basically, everything's opposite, right? Forced injections is freedom, is my body, my choice, all that stuff. So the psyoped world thinks this guy's fantastic. The people like us who see everything, we're like, what? What is going on? How can someone be a favorite person to be elected for president when the current state he's governing, it's the most people leaving of any state. First of all, first net uh, immigration, people going out in the first time of its state history. There's more homelessness and lawlessness than everywhere. People are doing terribly. San Francisco is like a ghost town where you get stabbed in the middle of the street. Santa Monica, someone just like walked in a really nice neighborhood and just gets stabbed walking his dog. Graham Stevens big YouTuber talks about how he had to move to Vegas because it was so bad. Things are going so bad. They're like opposite of the, the opposite of Florida, the opposite of Miami and stuff. Okay. I don't care what you think about the political party. Miami's being well run. San Francisco is the opposite of well run. Okay. They're trying to destroy it for whatever reason. It's weird. Cause like people live there and yet they want these policies, but now they're figuring it out. And you're telling me that that guy running California should potentially be president. It's like how it's like we should have, we should, we, you know what? The president of the class should be whoever is dead last in the class. We want student number 416 out of 416 to be valedictorian. Here you go. Little Joey. Like what? Listen to what Joe Rogan says about Newsom. Cause he nails it. I, I mean, this is how we see it, but people live in a psyop world. Those are the political parties, the psyoped and the, the realists. Here we go. Nobody wants Newsom either. Nobody believes in that guy. It's, the guy's a fucking con man. I mean, everything he did in California, from trying to mandate vaccines for kids, when it was totally unnecessary, to being caught out in public without a mask, lying about the fact that he was outdoors. Yeah. All of it. 
It's just nobody believes in that guy. He's just a politician, just a stone cold narrative driven politician, you know, and it's nobody thinks he's a real human. <laughs> nobody wants President Newsom either. Nobody <laughs> no one thinks he's a real human. You look like if you looked up uh, American Psycho, great movie. He was like a killer, but he was really like clean. Everything was so pristine. He wore a suit and he slick black hair like Wall Street. Basically, it's Gavin Newsom. If there was a serial killer who in public looked like he had it all together, that's Gavin Newsom. He's a psycho behind closed doors that would stab you in your throat and eat your guts out. I'm sorry, it's gruesome. But that's look, look if you look at his face, like the first thing I think of is Slime Dog Millionaire. That's all I think about. Right? There used to be a good movie, Slum Dog Millionaire. He reminds me of Slime Dog Millionaire. If you could have the slime, like if you go to hug him, you would slip off him because he's so slimy. It's disgusting. All right. So, um, oh, so Joe also said, by the way, that he would never have Trump on. He would never, ever have Trump on. He has been committed to that. At the most recent, I believe the most recent UFC event or the second most recent one, there was a video of Trump and Rogan exchanging words and shaking hands. And you could see they were smiling at each other. Now, Trump might go on to Rogan. And listen, I don't care what you think about either of these people. If Trump goes on Rogan, that it will break the internet. 100%. 100%. Absolutely break the internet. Here's what he said. But when are you having Trump on? I don't know. Okay. You're, the look I don't know. Maybe. Looks like you got something. Maybe. Okay, good. That's good. I think that's... Uh... I look, at a certain point in time, it's just like... It would be interesting to hear his perspective on a lot of things. I would like to know what is it like when you actually get into office. I would like to know things like what what is it like versus perception. Yeah. What is it actually like when you get in that building? Like what 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 are you greeted with? When do you know that people are fucking with you? When do you know that the intelligence agency is lying to you? Like when you decided to fire Comey, what was the thought? How much did you know? Like what what's the machine like? What is what is the deep state really like really like because we have all these you know smoky room perceptions like from the bill hicks joke where they show you the kennedy assassination from an angle you've never seen before you know what is the machine that runs this country because it's very clear that it's not as simple as elected representatives that are doing the will of the people it's not yeah yeah who is running the country all we hear is biden 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 Every time you say Biden, you're ignoring the fact that there's this administrative state of of non-elected bureaucratic people that are really running the show. And they want you to talk about Biden because Biden's not running anything. It's a distraction. And we keep talking about it because we're idiots. Now, here's the part that will get canceled off of YouTube. <laughs> this clip is important to hear, though. All right. Joe Rogan and Patrick Bet David. This, this is how I labeled it, but it was in more detail. But they did. He did mention this. They talk about how Obama's chef could have had myocarditis and died from the vaccine. His chef, who was a good swimmer, was like 100 feet from shore at Obama's mansion in Martha Vineyards. Which, how you become so rich when you're an, a, a public official is beyond me. Like Biden is just totally loaded with money, but don't ask questions, you peasant. Um, and he's like, well, what if you have myocarditis from the vaccine? Because people aren't recognizing this massive crime against humanity that has happened. And so you got to keep talking about it. We need a postmortem on this. 
we need accountability. We can't just let this, they want this just to disappear what they did to us for the last three years. They just want to disappear. Like nothing ever happened. It was one of the worst crimes against humanity in the history of the world with what they did. Force injections, lockdowns for children, closing the schools, absolute crimes that we've never seen. And they're trying to just let it go by the wayside. And a lot of people are so brainwashed with the current thing, Trump indictment, oh my God, that you're forgetting that they just locked us down. They forced kids to wear masks and everything was a lie and they knew it was a lie and all of it's coming out. Take a listen to this clip. So when are you guys going paddleboarding together? Is it, you guys got like uh, something in Austin Lake or yeah, like a nice shallow place where they drown. <laughs> How the fuck did that guy drown? Eight feet. That's deep. Eight feet. Is it? <laughs> it's not that deep. He's 100 feet from shore. I know. If your life depended on it, don't you think you'd swim 100 feet? But then you have to think, like, yeah. did this guy take the vaccine? Did he have a heart attack? I mean, there's people that he, he's involved in rigorous exercise. You think we would ever know what really happened to the guy? I think they, if, if, he, if he is a vaccine-related death, if he got myocarditis from a booster shot and he had a heart attack on that, I don't think we're going to find that out. I no, think, I don't think I don't, I don't think they would tell us that. What would you find out? Like, I mean, how many guys do you have to see that are falling down while they're being interviewed yeah. or falling down on the field or <sighs> having heart attacks while they're 18 years old? I mean, how many of these do they have to have where people are? I saw some woman saying that uh, LeBron James son, what happened was definitely not the vaccine. It had nothing to do with the covid vaccine. You can't say that because we know it's not true. We know that's not true. We know you don't know that it definitely wasn't the vaccine, especially right after the kid has a heart attack. Yeah. Unless you are his physician, unless you are doing MRIs on him, yeah. unless you find out there's some congenital heart issue that existed from birth. And so you can clearly say this was the problem. You can't say that. So, it's just propaganda. So, so I love the people who say that. The same people who say, we know 100% it was the vaccine. The same people who said, we know it's 100% effective. We know if you don't take it, you're going to kill your grandmother. We know that it stopped transmission. We know that we should lock down. We know that children should get vaccinated. Those are the same people. It's the same people. The same people who know 100% sure no vaccines ever hurt anybody. No, it can't be. The it's impossible. Are the same ones that lied about the very vaccine that you're talking about. Think about that. That is the incredible length these people are willing to go. That's an important clip. Got to keep talking about it. Got to keep talking about it. All right. Um, by the way, good news. Good news. Today, this is from the new CDC director. She said, today, oh, today the CDC uh, recommends that you hear, just hear it from her mouth. Here we go. This week, the CDC recommended a new RSV immunization to prevent serious illness in all infants. RSV is a respiratory virus that affects the youngest and most vulnerable. As many as 80,000 children are hospitalized each year because of RSV infections, and as many as 300 die. Every death is a tragedy that can now potentially be avoided. Our recommendation this week is a historic step in the fight against this respiratory virus. When making this decision, we looked at the clinical trial data that showed that this RSV shot was 80% effective in preventing hospitalizations and healthcare visits. Now, I'm fortunate that my kids didn't have severe RSV, but my friend's daughter was hospitalized last year with it. As a parent, nothing is scarier, which is why this new immunization is so critical. 
This RSV immunization gives your baby man-made antibodies to fend off the RSV virus. Yeah, fuck you. And I wrote, I replied to that. By the way, wait until I show you these studies she looked at. I wrote, you will keep injecting your kids until they turn into a vaccine. The system doesn't work. They will never remove immunizations. They will only add them. If this continues, children will take hundreds and hundreds of shots in the future. My suggestion, be an alt-right extremist and do your own research. So she said she looked at the clinical studies and this is what they decided. Well, how about this? Despite 12 deaths during clinical trials, CDC signs off on RSV shots for newborns. Do you believe this? 12 deaths. And they're telling you to give that to your baby, just like they're going to give your child hep B vaccine on day one, baby. Yep. That was that was like watching five babies for like a three day span, and now they give to every single baby the happy the happy shot. That was literally the amount that they studied it. Literally nothing. They don't care. They want you sick because it's good for the pharma companies that are paying off these government institutions like her to be be their marketing arm and get you to take more and more and more and more stuff till you start figuring it out and stop complying. Save the kids. Um, I'll get back to that. Now we're going to move into the all in pod. All right. So this is a good clip here. This is an important clip. So the all in podcast calls out the David Sachs has a really good thing that he says on this one, actually. But the, the all in pod calls out the establishment on COVID and the Hunter, Hunter Biden laptop cover up. Take a listen to this. You're Two. right. We have a sclerotic political system run by oxygenarians because the boomers are not relinquishing political power. The fucking they're retired. also not relinquishing bureaucratic power. Can we just pull up this Lancet letter for a second? They say here, zoom in on this, the rapid, open, and transparent sharing of data on this outbreak is now being threatened by rumors and misinformation around its origins. We stand together to strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. How could they say that at that point in time? All the evidence suggested it was made in a lab. Now, certainly, I think you could take the other side of that, but to condemn the lab leak theory as a conspiracy theory, that was corrupt. I'm not sure that that's corrupt. You know what's corrupt is not retracting that and apologizing. They, that's we, where the real corruption is. We have not gotten our post But this Lancet letter stuff. was organized. It was organized. This is just like the 51 spies who lied, claiming that the Hunter Biden laptop was disinformation. This is the establishment willing to use its credentials and respectability and expertise to sign a letter they know is false, to perpetrate a fraud on the American people in order to protect the people in charge. That's the motivation here, because Fauci had funded gain-of-function research in the Wuhan lab. I think the same rot that is in some of these leading research institutions and leading academic institutions and politics, they all share the same commonality, which is we are sclerotic. We are in desperate need of a generational shift of power. And right now, there is no incentive because at the same time, you know, the people that are 70 and 80 are thinking to themselves, well, I'm probably going to live to 100. What should I do for the next 20 years? Being in power is pretty good. They need to get out of power. The boomers need to relinquish power. We need to turn it over to millennials. We need to not elect 70 and 80 year olds and have people have strokes on TV like Mitch McConnell. It's over. It's done. Come on, man. It's ridiculous. How far do we need to go with this? The millennials need to get the reins of power and fix the ship. That's all I'm saying. Now, this one, this is interesting. But before, I'm going to actually go back to this one. Because on the topic of 
uh, Trump derangement syndrome versus apolitical unbiased facts. I said, watch David Sachs teach Jason how to be objective. This podcast is grounded in apolitical unbiased facts. We are objective. We That's why this podcast is growing. People see the truth. They say we have no agenda and we just tell you how it is and you figure out what you want to do with that information. You just get to hear the truth very easily, one podcast at a time, and we move on happily ever after. Okay? If that even makes sense. Well, listen to this clip. Jason has Trump derangentism. And in this scenario, David Sachs is apolitical, unbiased, and truthful. Listen to this interaction. I think you can learn a lot from it. It's basically why we started this podcast, because there's a lot of people like Jason out there that talk like this and can't see the world objectively because Trump screwed up something in their brain. This obsession with Trump just blows my mind. Just He's just a guy, like whatever. But it really screwed up people's minds, apparently. Here we go. Do you think so about now, Trump now- trying to overturn the election? Well, look. Do you think he tried to overturn the election? I mean, just a basic fact. Let me state right away that I think that what Trump did in the wake of the 2020 election was indefensible. I said so at the time. I said you did. that. You did. I, give a I did say it. What I said is that once the Supreme Court, once the courts in general threw out his case, and once the Supreme Court denied certiorari, it was time for him to stop. And he, he kept going. Yeah. It, it was time for him to stop. And he did it. And so I think that his actions were indefensible. However, when you're talking about criminal prosecutions, they can't just be an expression of condemnation. You actually have to prove that somebody engaged in criminal behavior. And the issue here with this January 6th case is that it relies on novel legal theories. There's actually a, a really good article in the New York Times of all places explaining this. Do you think there was a possibility that he, if he could have, he would have turned over the election if Pence had gone along with it? No, no, you're, you're, you're getting into a bunch of hypotheticals here. The question is whether these charges will actually stand up to scrutiny. Let me read you what David Leonhard from the New York Times reported. I'm sorry to cut it off, but do you see that? How Jason just wants him to get in trouble no matter what because he doesn't like the guy. And David's saying, listen, we need you to just assess this as, as a case. Forget about the people involved. It's just on the merits of the case. Is he guilty? And Jason's unable to see that because he has this hatred for this guy, Donald Trump, where he takes it as Trump, then case, as opposed to case. And then it doesn't matter who it is. You just talk about the case. You see that difference? It's subtle, but you could tell. Because I actually think when you have the New York Times saying that the case is weak, I think it's really indicative. So what the New York Times says, or Leonhardt says, is shocking as it was, Trump's behavior on January 6th did not violate any laws in obvious ways. He never directly told those at the January 6th rally to attack Congress. During his speech that day, he even said he knew the protesters would behave peacefully and patriotically. It was part of a longstanding Trump pattern in which, as my colleague Maggie Haberman puts it, quote, he is often both all over the place and yet somewhat careful not to cross certain lines, end quote. As for Trump's broader effort to overturn the election result, no federal law specifically bars politicians from attempting to do so. Without such a law, Smith has relied on a novel approach. He has charged Trump with committing criminal fraud and violating conspiracy laws that were not written to prevent the overturning of election result. And then he says that a key part of these laws, they revolve around a person's intent. Intent is core to the notion of fraud. Only if someone is knowingly trying to deceive others can he be committing a fraud. And he says that's why the case seems likely to revolve around Trump's state of mind. So the problem with this is they have to not only prove that what Trump did in the wake of the election was indefensible and outrageous and all the things that you believe. They have to prove that Trump knew that he lost the election and knowingly perpetrated a fraud. And I don't think you'll be able to ever prove that beyond a reasonable doubt 
even though, yes, there are statements that they point to. Yeah, they got the, all those statements. And then Bill Barr, Mark Meadows, everybody's yes. flipped on him. Pence has flipped on him. They're all flipped on him. They have statements by those people, yeah. yes. But Trump also had this whack pack of lawyers. Oof. So you had Giuliani and you had Sidney Powell <laughs> and John oh, Eastman and Mike Lindell, the pillow guy. They were all in the White House telling Trump that, listen, you won the election, you've been robbed, and there are valid legal grounds for you to contest this. And Trump, for years, has been maintaining the stolen election narrative, even when his advisors have told him, this is not good for you. The, the guy has stolen election on the brain, okay? Every interview, he's brought this up, even when it's manifestly harmful to yeah. himself and the Republican Party. So this idea that you can prove that he doesn't really believe the election was stolen, the one thing I believe about Trump is that he really does believe the election was stolen. And I think you will never be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that mm. he is knowingly lying about that. And as a result of this, you can never prove this case. Mm. Now, it also relies on this novel theory. They are turning the civil rights law into a pretzel to try and figure out a way to indict Trump or prosecute him under this novel legal theory of committing, quote, fraud against the American people. Okay, this is a novel legal theory that's never been tried before. And by the way, if you're going to create that as a precedent, I hope we're going to go after those, those signers of the Lancet letter we talked about, because they committed a fraud against American people. I hope that we will prosecute the 51 spies who lied because they perpetrated fraud against American people. Yeah. I hope, hold on a second, I hope we will go after the authors of that Steele dossier because they perpetrated a fraud of the American people. There's a lot of people in Washington who've perpetrated a fraud on the American people. I hope we're going to go after all of them. But my point is this. It's not the job of a prosecutor to be creative with the law ever. I mean, they are supposed to apply the law strictly as written. They're supposed to bring cases that are open and shut. And what Jack Smith is doing here is going for this bank shot where he wants to charge Trump with incitement, but he knows he can't win that case. So he's going for this backdoor a civil rights law to sidestep the First Amendment problem. And in my view, this is an abuse of prosecutorial power. And once you let prosecutors get creative like this, you're on a slippery slope to show me the man, I'll show you the crime yeah. as in Stalin's Russia. So listen, I believe that, again, Trump's actions were illegitimate and outrageous. But again, the purpose of criminal law is not to express disapproval. You have to be able to prove these cases in an open and shut way without novel legal theories. I just want to say I need to give I need to give Sachs a 10 out of 10 for this last piece. That was excellent. Absolutely. Excellent. I mean, that what if you want, if, if anyone needs to know the details of the case and just an objective analysis of it, just share that five minute clip with them. That's it. You can get it from my Twitter. You could share it from this podcast. Tell them to listen to this. That is just an objective way to look at it. The rule of law and you not liking someone are very different things. Very different things. Once it's, oh, I don't like this person. Then you turn into the first clip that we started at where it's, oh, we don't like you. I don't like you. And then all of a sudden someone doesn't like you, even though you were the person not liking someone in the beginning. Now it's you're the one that's not being liked. Now you're gone. You're gone. You're gone. And then there's like one dictator left. That's why it's important, which brings me to my next one. Friedberg says what every sane American is thinking. This is a short clip. He never speaks up on this stuff. It's a 54 second clip. He talks about what everyone's seeing. He's 100% right here. Election interference. We talk about, oh, is there election interference? You could say suppression of Hunter Biden laptop is election interference. Of course, I was like, we talked about this before. Listen to this and tell me this is not exactly what every sane American is thinking. J. Cal, do you not think yes. that it's a little surprising that all of these charges are hitting years after this event took place? 
in the months leading up to the Republican primary? No, I think it's that's the weirdest yeah, thing to me no. is like, why would it take so many years to prosecute someone? All those guys that went into Capitol, the Capitol building, they all got charged with crimes years ago, you know, two years ago. Well, why is all this just, stuff falling on Trump today? They, it's like they because paced Trump the grand jury give, I mean, in the case. Yeah. And they it, paced it the whole thing out. To build these. Because I will say it does feel like it is interrupting a political process that if there were criminal charges to be filed, I would have liked to have seen them filed two years ago. So this could 100%. all get adjudicated ahead of a political 100%. cycle. Now that it's in the middle of a political cycle, it makes me as a U.S. citizen nervous about the fact that there are agencies interfering in the political cycle. You're so right. He could. J. Cal, do you know? It's bullshit. Let the American people decide who's going to be president, who's not. Leave it up to us. OK, it's the peasants that decide. America was founded on Americans governing ourselves, okay? Not the government dictating to us. Let us choose, okay? I don't care who gets in. All I care about is the person who does get in was elected by the people, not by an agency who's interfering. Get out of our elections, CIA, FBI, all these corrupt institutions. Get out. Go home. You're done. You cannot interfere with our elections. And there's people cheering this on. They have no idea where this goes. They're so stupid. They're really stupid. I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say. Um, now, last clip here from All In Podcast, a little bit of a different topic. It's about the monetary system that we talk a lot about here. He has a very interesting analysis. And if um, if you're into the finance, you know, the monetary system and all that stuff, I would love to hear other takes on this. I think this is really brilliant that this could happen. I'm curious what you think. Leave it. Let me know in the comments or tweet at me at KOGZ. Listen to this analysis and tell me if you think this is gonna, if this is realistic and probably going to happen. Well, let me paint a scenario that's not as dire as a collapse of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. Okay, so on this Fitch ratings, By the way, that's not that's not what I think happens, right? I I think yeah. this is just purchasing power goes down. That's it. But go ahead, Sachs. Relative to who? Be specific. Relative to anyone. But what does that what does that mean relative to anyone? Let me paint like a non-catastrophic scenario or non-apocalyptic scenario, which is what you saw in this Fitch ratings downgrade is that the bond market did move at the margins. There was a sell-off in the 10-year. And as a result, the 10-year bond yield moved up to 4.2%. So it wasn't a case of everybody shedding all of their U.S. treasuries. It's just that there were market actors at the margins who adjusted their portfolios. Okay, now. Freeberg is saying that the Treasury is going to have to do another $2 trillion bond offering. And we have trillion dollar plus deficits as far as the eye can see. And we've got entitlement liabilities on the horizon and then a political unwillingness to do anything about it. So the deficits are only going to get bigger and bigger. Now, what does that do? It's supply and demand. When the U.S. Treasury needs to keep issuing more and more bonds, at some point, the demand for those things gets incrementally saturated and they have to offer a higher yield. So what happens? Well, the bond rates go up. And so the 10-year goes up, like Freeberg was saying, from 4.2 to somewhere in the 5 to 7% range. And that doesn't mean the U.S. dollar is not the world's reserve currency. It just means that it gets incrementally harder and more expensive to keep financing our debt. Now, what is the result of that? Well, if I, as an investor, could theoretically get 7% from the U.S. Treasury as the risk-free rate, why would I want to take equity risk and put it in the stock market, which historically has yielded somewhere in the 5 to 7% range. So if I can get my 5 to 7% from a risk-free U.S. government bond, of course, I'm going to do that. So the discount rate on equities will go up. That means that the stock market relatively, on a relative basis, will go down. 
risk capital will go down. There will be risk less capital risk capital. Go down, and there'll be way less risk capital available for things like venture capital and private equity, just risk-taking of all kinds. And so the economy will just grow slower. It's not like there'll be a collapse. It'll just be this yeah. huge albatross yeah. around the neck of the private sector. And this is called crowding out. That's incredible. Do you, uh, is that what's going to happen? Don't forget, Klaus Schwab, and part of this great reset is big government is back. It's time for the big government to be back. Is it possible the public sector, the government, is crowding out and choking the private sector, and they're going to get everything, and the Fed's going to run everything, and they're going to implement a CBDC? Is that perhaps the plan? Is that it? They know if the yields go high enough, all the market's going to come for the bonds, okay? And then there'll be nothing for the peasants, nothing for the startups, nothing for any of that. What do you think? I would love to know what people like Gregory Manorino think of this. Very, very interesting. I thought that was a very interesting take. And that could happen. If it definitely goes up to 7%, you're going to give it to bonds, which are like the safest thing or historically the safest thing, rather than try to invest it somewhere and see if you can get like an 8% return. You're going to suck it out of the stock market and you're put into bonds. Right? I mean, what are you going to do if you have a risk-free rate of 8%, 9%, even 7%? So that's what I got today. Um, could cover more stuff, um, but uh, I think we're going to end it there. That was a pretty good show. A lot of good clips. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share this with one peasant who needs to be awakened. That's all I ask. You got to share the show. That's all I ask. I don't ask for anything else except share the show. Please help get the truth out there. I promise you we're on this journey together. You're coming with me. We're taking this thing to the moon together, but I need your help. Just share the fucking show. Excuse my language. I'm sorry, but share it. All right. That's all I got. That's all I ask of you. I love you wherever you are in the world. Thank you for listening. Seriously. Thank you for being a part of this movement. We are bringing truth, apolitical, pro-peasant, pro-human, pro-love, anti-nuclear war, anti-killing, depopulation, you know, just pro-civilization podcast. We are a very pro-civilization podcast. We love civilization and we're taking it to the moon. Really, we're actually going to go to the moon this time. No, no bullshit. We're going to go to the moon. All right. I hope you have an amazing day, amazing afternoon, amazing night, wherever you are. Subscribe to the Jonathan Kogan Show, YouTube channel, Rumble channel, at KOGZ on Twitter. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. I love you. Bye.